Well, uh, good evening. It's a little after 6.30 p.m., about 6.30 p.m., and you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and Jim Dwyer's probably finding it difficult to find a parking space. Uh, folks, It's uh, the townie party is uh, happening on the mall, the Ingalls Mall tonight, and they're having some sort of race on State Street, so everything's blocked off. It's orange barrel season. It's orange creamsicle barrier season. And even around WCBN, it's orange sock season. So even the parking places around uh, our studio, which is right in the middle of the U of M campus, are uh, <clears throat> difficult to move around. Uh, my advice is park downtown somewhere. You can use a parking structure. Park on the old west side. You're going to have to walk, ride your bike, take the bus. Mr. B's the headliner for the townie party tonight, by the way, and it's a lovely day out there, and there are lots of people walking around Ann Arbor. Anyway, um, I'll just cover a quick sort of non-Gray Matters item uh, while Jim uh, <laughs> negotiates a parking spot somewhere. Uh, very briefly, uh, you know, it was kind of interesting this year that at Wimbledon, and I don't watch uh, tennis much anymore, and I didn't watch this weekend, but two of the oldest players on the tour, both the men's and women's tour, made it to the finals. Venus Williams uh, was defeated, and Roger Federer uh, was kind of a, well, he was... The champ once again at Wimbledon. I think it might have been his eighth Wimbledon and his 19th or 20th Grand Slam. He's up there. I once read an interesting essay about Roger Federer. I cover him very briefly here. He was described as the man who doesn't sweat. <laughs> because when he plays tennis, he's, he's very uh, economical with his running around, and he goes for winners. He's very good in the tiebreakers. And some of the greatest tennis matches of all time, uh, if not the greatest of all time, have involved Roger Federer and uh, Rafael Nadal and Djokovic. And you can kind of toss in Andy Murray there, but he's a, sort of been a pretender for the most part. But uh, it's interesting how a tournament sometimes uh, you get a break. And Federer didn't have to beat any of those top three uh, challengers to win at Wimbledon. It's interesting how sometimes in sports you get lucky. As for Venus Williams, I guess what I'm going to mention about her, of course her sister is the famous Serena Williams, not on the tour this year because uh, she's uh, pregnant and having a baby. Uh, but Venus Williams is a really classy uh, American champ, and it was good to see uh, her have a little bit of a last hurrah and get into the finals of Wimbledon. Uh, she's been there before. And I just wanted to comment very briefly about an incident that happened a couple of weeks ago in Florida uh, where we get into this, uh, an example of one of the things that's wrong with our society. Venus Williams was involved in a traffic accident that involved the death of some individual. I didn't know a lot of the details. There were all sorts of accusations made against Venus Williams uh, that proved to be false. And uh, this involved a right-of-way, and, and uh, <clears throat> basically this accident occurred because 
the driver of the other car was not paying attention to what was going on. And I don't know who ran, ran the red light. Uh, it sounds like they did. But they had a couple of sort of <clears throat> well-publicized press conferences and uh, made all sorts of accusations that uh, proved to be false. And, uh, you know, they promised big lawsuits and all sorts of stuff. And th this had an emotional impact on Venus Williams. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, when somebody dies in a car accident, <clears throat> um, this is a tragic event that can affect the psyche of a, a, even a uh, superstar um, athlete like Venus Williams. And uh, I just want to say that it seems that the videotapes of the accident have cleared her of any wrongdoing, that she actually was in the lane properly and had the right-of-way and all of that. So uh, <clears throat> I just wanted to mention that because uh, that was sort of resolved or <clears throat> made clear to the public shortly before Wimbledon started. And I'm sure it relieved her conscience just a bit because <clears throat> she had, a, had had a press conference before Wimbledon in which she broke down in tears uh, about the subject. And, of course, <clears throat> it's devastating to be involved in something like that. And... Uh, well, say la vie. Obviously, uh, a sort of an interesting turn of events involving the health care bill. We don't know if that's ever going to pass. We haven't really had any public hearings on the subject. And there are still a lot of senators unknown uh, in terms of the voting. But one thing Mitch McConnell knows is it's not going to pass without John McCain's vote. And uh, <clears throat> he went into the hospital and had uh, some sort of serious surgery. I think it was a a blood clot near the eyeball, um, and is supposed to be sort of on the 15-day disabled list for possibly even longer than 15 days. So this uh, health care bill is on hold. I'd like to point out the irony of this situation. Uh, back in 2009, uh, the Democrats had a lot of problems getting the health care bill through because they had their own problems with senators in poor health, and they also had the strange... Uh, predicament of Al Franken. Al Franken was the uh, <clears throat> apparent winner and the winner of a very, very close election in Minnesota. Uh, and he uh, was being challenged by uh, Norm Coleman, who had previously been a senator from Minnesota. And <clears throat> Norm Coleman filed lawsuits and delayed the procedure and the appeals and the courts and did everything he could he could to try and keep his seat. They had recounts. They they did this, that, and the other. And Al Franken, as it turned out, did win by an incredibly narrow margin. I don't remember the number, but I do remember that it was under a thousand. And the recounts uh that were held, I think there were two of them in fact, uh Al Franken actually gained a few votes here and there. So he wasn't around for, he didn't actually get seated until almost July in 2009. And back in 2009, when, the, uh, when Obamacare was being debated publicly, and I emphasize the word publicly because the uh, Republicans have not allowed a public debate on this subject for some, <clears throat> well, not so uh, surprising reason, uh, the Democrats had to get 60 votes uh, to get the bill through. There was a cloture uh, 
um, filibuster rule in effect. And they had a great deal of difficulty getting the 60 votes because once Al Franken was seated, uh, it was announced that Ted Kennedy uh, was basically on the verge of death. And in fact, he did die shortly, uh, several months later. And it took the Democrats another, uh, you know, with the procedures involved with Massachusetts, another six weeks or three months, I don't remember the details, just to get a special um, senator uh, nominated for the replacement of Kennedy's seat. That taken care of, by the time uh, they had replaced Kennedy, Robert Byrd, <laughs> who was a very aged senior senator from West Virginia, uh, had become ill. And literally to get Obamacare passed, I don't know if you recall this, in December, they had to wheel Robert Byrd in from a hospital bed to be the 60th vote. And this, of course, is why votes matter, why even one vote can make all the difference. Two Republicans have announced that they're not going to vote for this revised Senate bill, and there are a number of unknown votes. But the entire process of having this bill heard has just been outrageous to me. Uh, this is, uh, it's well known that health care involves a sixth of our economy, and uh, I think that there should be serious public uh, discussions about the health bill. Here's Jim, as I predicted. He had difficulty with the parking. Uh, he has arrived, so we'll give him a minute or two to get settled. So uh, that's one of the ironies of this development over the weekend involving John McCain. Uh, the Democrats had the same problem many uh, years ago when Obamacare got, uh, got, got through eventually because they eventually did get the cloture votes. I should even add for the uh, purposes of historical accuracy, Arlen Specter switched parties uh, in the middle of all of this <laughs> weirdness going on with the 60 votes. Uh, he became a Democrat after the stimulus bill was essentially uh, denied by the Republicans and he decided for primary purposes in his state of Pennsylvania that he was going to switch parties. He didn't want to have to deal with a challenge uh, from the right. And uh, that's why he switched parties. And he did vote for the stimulus bill, as it turns out. Of course, there have been a lot of uh, interesting developments over the week involving <laughs> the Russian situation. And I wanted to uh, have a humorous analysis of the famous phrase from Sean Spicer, press secretary for Donald Trump. Uh, he came out and early on when the reports about <clears throat> the meeting that occurred at Trump Tower involving Don Jr., uh, Paul Manafort, um, and uh, Jared Kushner, son-in-law, two family members, he came out and he said, it's nothing but a big nothing burger. There's no there there. And, of course, he's said that before. And I said, whoops, no, it's actually a big Nixon burger. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. The Nixon burger. Uh, what is the Nixon burger? Well, <laughs> conveniently, for, conveniently for me, I found a copy of Nightmare uh, entitled Nightmare, The Underside of the Nixon Years by J. Anthony Lukacs. This is by far one of the best single 
accounts of the Watergate scandal. Uh, and this was one of these cheap uh, paperback editions that came out in the late 70s. But I, So I've been rereading uh, Nightmare. I haven't read this book in quite a while, and it is outstanding in terms of its uh, accuracy analysis. And by the way, it even mentions, uh, amazingly, that uh, W. Mark Felt uh, was rumored to be Deep Throat. So this man, uh, and this, this book originally, by the way, was actually published uh, in, at the University Press in my hometown. And then it became a bestseller. Um, he won the Pulitzer Prize. And I just wanted to read what the Nixon burger was. He says, in 1960, it was disclosed that four years before, while, and he's talking here about Richard Nixon, while his brother was vice president, Donald Nixon had taken a $205,000 loan from the Howard Hughes organization to help him rescue a failing fast food business that specialized in triple-decker sandwiches called Nixon Burgers. <laughs> the loan, which was never repaid, was secured by the $13,000 family plot that no bank would have accepted as security on a loan of that size. Reports of the transaction helped to defeat Nixon in his 1960 presidential campaign and in his 1962 race for governor. And ever since, he had been extremely sensitive about his brother's ties with the Hughes organization or other questionable enterprises. And, of course, therein lies one of the great mysteries of the Watergate scandal. Yes, this was a third-rate burglary attempt, to quote Ron Ziegler. Uh, that went awry, but the burglary attempt, the criminal activity of the uh, members of the plumbers slash committee to elect, re-elect the president, also known as Creep, Gordon Liddy, Howard Hunt, those people, uh, showed uh, over time as, as the investigations kept mounting and the lies and, uh, well, inoperative statements, <laughs> to borrow another phrase from Ron Ziegler, uh, kept mounting. Uh, the credibility of Richard Nixon uh, kept declining. And amazingly, after even after the Senate Watergate uh, Select Committee hearings held in the summer of 73, when it was finally revealed that there were Watergate tapes, Nixon was still kind of able to hang on a little bit with public opinion. Uh, the housewives were outraged that the soap operas had been Interrupted that summer with Watergate hearings. And oh, what a juicy soap opera that was. But it was. Of course, uh, the, watching it as a kid uh, from time to time, I was somewhat uh, bored and impressed, depending on who was speaking. But it, of course, was the revelations of John Dean and Alexander Butterfield right around the middle of July of 1973 where he revealed the taping system, and that is ultimately what, what led to uh, Nixon's uh, resignation. Donald Trump's uh, claims about <clears throat> there's nothing there and his denials have proven to be false um, over and over. And this scandal, what, what, what's happened this week is the scandal hasn't gone anywhere, really. But what, it, it really can't. Yeah. It's got to be fully and, and fully investigated. But what has happened this week that I think is beyond dispute is that Robert Mueller 
has sort of job insurance. There's absolutely no way Donald Trump uh, would be able to fire him at this point uh, because there is a lot of there there. And when you have top ranking, of course, uh, the Nixon burger was a campaign uh, issue that Nixon was trying to cover up. He was worried about whether or not Larry O'Brien, the chairman of the DNC, might have had files uh, related to this Howard Hughes loan, among other things. When you have Michael Flynn, who was the national security advisor, Donald Trump Jr., Paul Manafort, the attorney general, Jeff Sessions, and, of course, um, Prince Without Portfolio, Jared Kushner, uh, the man who's supposedly going to solve our problems in the Middle East. I'm waiting for that to happen mm. any day now. <laughs> His expertise on diplomacy is an unknown quantity. Uh, this is, the, I mean, this is, these are seriously high-ranking people. And they've all proven to be, have issued false statements about Russia. I personally do think that uh, we need uh, calm relations with Russia. Not They're not hostile. I've never regarded Russia as an enemy of the United States, a rival, yes. But even during the, the height of the Cold War, it was never an enemy of the United States. It was a rival of the United States. Adolf Hitler was an enemy of the United States. Um, and I think that Americans need to be very clear about what Russia is and what it isn't. Um, the scandal going forward, you know, it, it, it's not going to be a big nothing burger. There's plenty of evidence that there were shenanigans involved. But a lot of these shenanigans involved, in, uh, in reality, um, Julian Assange and uh, uh, WikiLeaks. And I only wish that the word orange rhymed with Assange because then I could come up with a nice little limerick. <laughs> but uh, we might have to rename the American word orange to orange. I'll give it a little French. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little French spin there. Accent uh, A. <laughs> well, at the very least, you say job insurance that Mueller is uh, increasingly unlikely to be fired. In this context, such a firing would be disastrous for yeah. Trump, who, by the way, is already uh, well underway fundraising for re-election in 2020. Yeah. It's an article in today's paper about that. They've already spent $80,000 this year on hats alone. Uh, but the other job insurance that Mueller has is that Don Jr.'s uh, entire portfolio is now sort of questionable. Yeah. He's the guy who said, oh, we've got lots of money coming in from Russia. Uh, their business dealings. Sure. All the emails. Let's release the emails. Release the emails. Well, and how funny that the star involved is named Eamon. <laughs> and that and he's course, not even really a star, no, that no. by all accounts he's a no-talent yeah. whose father is a, a super-rich plutocrat Oligarch, uh, yeah. with connections to Putin. And so it all goes back to that uh, 2013 beauty pageant sure. in Russia. And we finally have the name of an oligarch. So, it, I mean, there's something about this that's almost camp- uh, well, humor. It, I mean, the video of Trump and all of that is just, it's special, folks. But in, I've got a new favorite uh, Trumpenstein tweet here, and it's from 2013. Yeah, there you go. When Donald J. Trump mused about, this is from uh, Megan Toohey's article, how a beauty pageant led to a Trump son's encounter with a Russian lawyer. I know it sounds like an awkward setup for a clumsy joke, but there you have it. Uh, anyway... 
Megan Tui writes, uh, Trump mused about whether uh, President Vladimir Putin of Russia would meet him at the Miss Universe pageant in Moscow that fall. Quote, if so, will he become my new best friend? <laughs> Close quote. Mr. Trump posted on Twitter. And the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, he will become your new best friend. And all these uh, assertions by uh, Trump's lawyer on TV over the weekend that, well, uh, the president asked Putin that right to his face. Uh, did Were you involved in uh, messing with the U.S. elections? And Putin said no. So there you have it. You know, end of story. End of story. Oh, because he's so trustworthy. Well, yeah. And, of course, the only thing missing from this scandal thus far is that we don't have some flash drives uh, turning up in a pumpkin uh, somewhere in Maryland. <laughs> But that I, might be next. That might be it. It'll be a thumb drive now. And <laughs> yeah. uh, there are still the the other thing that the Trump uh, campaign for 2020 uh, is revealed in this article in today's Times. Uh, their uh, legal fees doubled in the second quarter because everybody's lawyering up. Got to pay for them. their yeah. lawyers. And so they spent even more on lawyers in the second quarter of this fiscal year than they did in the first and how appropriate that uh, somebody named Ty Cobb, related to the famous Detroit Tiger Ty Cobb, uh, is now in the uh, roster of lawyers, criminal lawyers for Donald Trump. A uh, interesting development in and of itself. Ty Cobb, of course, the all-time uh, batting average champ, but known to be a very mean player, <laughs> and yeah, a real son of definitely a, bitch. a racist. Uh, but uh, a great uh, hitter nonetheless. You know, this does go back to, to when Trump was attacking the media uh, back in late February, but it's interesting how um, on the 2nd of uh, March, this proved to be a very interesting day because later in the day, uh, uh, Jeffrey Sessions ended up getting involved in his own scandal, and he had to recuse himself from all things involving Russia, amended his testimony, and then, of course, mysteriously participated in the sacking of James Comey, which was connected to the Russian investigation. But anyway, in an investigative article that appeared on the front page of the New York Times on the 2nd of March, this is interesting. American allies, including British and Dutch uh, officials, have provided information describing meetings in European cities between Russian officials and others close to Russian President, President Vladimir Putin and associates of President-elect Trump, according to three former American officials who requested anonymity on the subject. Uh, this goes into the details of, these, of some of these meetings, was interesting that this was caught by uh, British and Dutch intelligence officials, passed on to the American intelligence uh, uh, people. And um, basically, um, <clears throat> what was interesting about this, of course, is that Sean Spicer uh, commented on this. Uh, he continue, it, it continues to be the case that there is no there there. <laughs> Fuzzy Wuzzy was a bear. Uh, gee, it's hard to believe that so many of these uh, high flight uh, lawyers for the Trump team are that familiar with Gertrude Stein, which is, of course, the origin of that comment. Yeah, and of course, uh, Trump uh, and associates uh, dismissed the, the story as false. 
the New York Times citing four current and former officials reported last month that American authorities had obtained the information of repeated contacts between Mr. Trump's associates and senior Russian intelligence officials. The White House, i.e. the Trump White House, has dismissed the story as false. The headline of the story, by the way, involves Obama officials race to preserve Russian trail. So part of this story was how uh, the Obama administration discovered uh, this interference uh, in the campaign um, by hackers, by Julian Assange, and by some Russian officials, uh, not yet named, but perhaps eventually their names will be revealed. Uh, and this is when I believe Donald Trump's presidency really began to unravel. You will recall that based on those reports earlier in February, that's when Trump began to really attack the media. And um, Richard Nixon had some paranoid concepts of the media, but I don't think he was as openly hostile as Donald Trump. He didn't come up with this false, fake news comment. Um, he didn't have this sort of relentless attack on the media. And it's rather silly when Sean Hannity of Fox News can have an interview with Donald Jr. and pretend that this puts the matter to rest, as Donald Trump seems to think. This meeting occurred with Paul Manafort, the campaign manager, and, of course, with Jared Kushner, minister and prince without portfolio. These are top-ranking Trump campaign people. John Mitchell, <laughs> mm. before becoming Nixon's campaign manager in 1972, was the attorney general of the United States. Uh, the original breaking and entering plans were actually discussed in the presence of John Mitchell, attorney general of the United Top States. Top law enforcement agents <laughs> this was of the, the country. The famous Gordon Liddy plan. Um, <laughs> rumor had it that Mitchell uh, puffed on his pipe and told Liddy to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> When asked by Senate Watergate Committee, special uh, uh, select committee, about what Mitchell should have said, Mitchell wryly commented, I should have thrown him out of the window. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was too late for hindsight to do him any good. Yes. Um, although he was a close friend of Richard Nixon. Uh, going way back way uh, to back. the early campaigns in California. There were some certainly some... There was some coldness that began to develop uh, in 1973 regarding, you know, who was going to take the, the fall for Watergate. And uh, this notion that Donald Trump, of course, uh, is inexperienced and all this other stuff that's been used to justify or rationalize his behavior. Let's remember that the Trump family in and of itself uh, is ethically questionable, <laughs> Ethically challenged. I don't know that they know what ethics really are. And, of course, one of the troubling aspects of Trump's presidency thus far has been the personal enrichment of Donald Trump, the conflicts of interests that don't go away, and the continuing sort of flaunting of this conspicuous consumption that's really rather repulsive. 
And well, yeah, ethics are uh, something yeah. that other people trouble themselves about. A successful businessman, and this is, you know, he claims he got this from his father. You know, it's a uh, it's kill or be killed, and that's the way the business world works. But that's not actually true because uh, a, a really good businessman wants to have return customers. Sure. And uh, Trump has uh, backstabbed and misdealt with just about everybody he's ever been involved in a project on. There's no shortage of people who never got paid. Uh, the unfair renting practices of his father, and the idea that. They can rail at the media while using the sort of, I mean, the ultimate fake media is Fox News. It's sure. not really news. It's not really fact-based. It's an ideological crank chamber. Uh, you wonder how Nixon might have rolled uh, if there had been a Fox News with its sort of like, we report the facts as we see them and you decide sort of approach to uh, manipulation. It's all mainstream media. Uh, of course, the other big mistake that Trump made right at the beginning was attacking the intelligence communities. Uh, and so I suspect long term that's going to hurt him. Well, and it has because obviously there is uh, more leaking than normal. But that's the way the game is played, unfortunately. And, you know, Richard Nixon back in the 70s, back in 72 and whatnot, a lot of what he was trying to cover up were actually illegal campaign contributions. Right. That was part of his problem. It wasn't just the third-rate burglary attempt. It was a litany of criminal activity that was going on in the Nixon White House with, quote, all the president's men. Uh, with Trump, of course, uh, Ivanka has remained free from the scandal thus far. But it is interesting <laughs> how the president's relatives are involved in this scandal at this point, And they are lawyering up. And it's going to be a long time before we actually know what really happened uh, and uh, how operative some of the president's denials, Donald Trump's denials, have been. Because Well, the fact that they never even put this meeting on the forms yeah. that they had to fill out. I mean, that in and of itself, the willful uh, omission of detail is itself a felony. And what Trump is doing right now, he's hanging on. His disapproval ratings are almost up to 60 percent. He's hanging on because of, of the base. And this is why the Republican congressmen have been timid about going after Trump on these issues. Now, what they're not going to be timid about and what they continue to actually investigate and even make some worthwhile statements from time to time is the problem of Russia interfering with our election. Right. And we don't know all the details. I don't really think that the Russians affected the election, but the media coverage certainly was an enormous factor. And when Donald Trump was openly encouraging the Russians to, quote, leak more emails and whatnot. Well, and Donald yeah. Jr.'s uh, emails suggest a sense of glee at the opportunity to receive information it through these channels, that seems rather telling. Indeed. Well, um, yeah, the Townie Party is going on tonight. Mr. B's one of the headliners. Uh, check that out if you're. Oh man, I don't know how the art fair is going to work this year with all this incomplete road work yeah, downtown. It's a, it's a disaster. Oh, you are God. listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Thanks to the engineer who cannot be named uh, this evening for. Uh, being here and Yazoo City Calling coming up next on this fine station. 